millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So good evening to you and welcome to Charlton Live, the big match preview. It's Thursday, the 28th of April. My name is Louis Mendes. Joining me in the studio here at the Valley is Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Not bad, thanks, Louis. Yeah, uh, an unhappy Valley, of course, these days as we've been uh, relegated for over a week now. Uh, getting ready to go to go back into uh, into League One. Uh, on tonight's show, we've got an exclusive interview with the Cholton Athletic Supporters Trust Secretary Richard Wiseman. The Trust uh, famously had a meeting with uh, Catherine Murray and non-executive chairman Richard Murray uh, earlier on during the week uh, to tell the club to, to shove off, basically. They told him to, to sell up. Uh, and so we're going to hear from Richard uh, Wiseman. He's going to tell us what went on during that meeting uh, and what drove the Trust to, uh, to have that meeting uh, with the uh, club later on during the show, we're going to discuss something that tickled the pair of us yesterday, Tom. Uh, when uh, when a certain Carol Fryer rocked up on Twitter, and uh, much fun was had uh, for a few hours amongst the the more naughty of you Charlton fans out there, uh, and it was quite funny uh, until he deleted his account. There, we're going to talk about the Kent Senior Cup final, which was on Tuesday. Unfortunately, the Alex defeated uh, by three goals to one by um, Dartford, uh, and then uh, of course we're going to look ahead to Saturday's game with Leeds. Uh, because we're all we're still playing football for some reason, uh, right? But uh, first things first. Um, on Monday, the supporters' trust uh, had a meeting with Catherine Mary and and Richard Murray, and uh, like I said, they 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 their, their survey they they they'd done a survey during the week, and their mem- members had decided uh, to to have this meeting with the uh, the, the club and to tell them uh, in no uncertain terms that the uh, the supporters don't want them here anymore. Obviously, they've received that from various uh, protests throughout the, the season so far as well. But this was the, the supporters trust a separate body to card and all that. So you know they they did their own survey and they went and had this meeting and told them uh, to to shove it. Uh, Richard Wiseman is the club is the supporters trust secretary. I caught up with him uh, not more than about fifteen minutes ago. He came into the studio here at the Valley and uh, gave us this interview. It's fascinating interview to find out what actually happened uh, on Monday during that meeting. Well, I'm delighted to be joined here in the Charlton Live studio by Richard Wiseman, the uh, the Charlton Athletic Supporters Trust Secretary. Richard, thanks for for coming to join us. It's um, it's been a it's been a big week for the trust. Um, on Monday, you guys were were very lucky to be able to meet with um, Catherine Mary, the CEO, and, and Richard Murray. I mean, uh, how how did how did this meeting come about in in the first place? Well. I think, as you're probably aware, that the Trust has been seeking to have a meeting and speak to Roland Duchatelet almost from the very beginning uh, when he first took over because, like most Charlton supporters, we would love to be able to find out why on earth he's in this business, what, what his aims are. Um, and, obviously, in the two years he's been the owner of the club, we'd like to ask him about some of the decisions he's made. Um, so we've been pursuing that for a long time. When he came over what was it, a couple of months ago, uh, and did some interviews, and he he said something along the lines of, I've come over to help, I want to work with supporters to help uh, improve things. 
Um, we then approached him again and said, uh, we're pleased to know that you want to work with supporters. The Supporters Trust represents um, about 1,100 Charlton supporters. We don't pretend to speak on behalf of all supporters, but we are the largest representative group. Um, and in the light of your statement, we'd very much like to, to meet you. Um, he didn't reply. He just forwarded that to um, Katrine Mayer. Um, and we, we then approached him again, and the same thing happened. But the second time, she um, forwarded, replied to us and said um, that uh, he delegates fan management to her, but if we'd like to have a meeting with her and Richard Murray, that could be arranged. Um, and we, we've spoken to them quite a lot over the last two years, um, and Steve Clark had a meeting with them back in November of last year. Um, but the thing about a supporters' trust is that its function... Um, I mean, I'll read this from our, from our constitution. We, we exist to be the vehicle through which a healthy, balanced and constructive relationship between the club and its supporters is encouraged and developed. So we have to think uh, long and hard before we turn down a meeting with senior club people. Um, so we were disappointed we weren't able to meet with Roland du Châtelet, but we did have this option of meeting Katrine and Richard. Um, so that's how it came about. Um, and as you're probably aware, we then had a further discussion among ourselves about whether should we, we should actually accept the invitation and attend the meeting. Yeah, I understand. There was there was some sort of sort of survey put out there for fans. Was that and that was that to de decide whether to attend this specific meeting? Then yes, I mean I, I think we were quite open about the fact that when we as a board debated this, um, we 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 normally manage to find a consensus when we're deciding on trust policy. But on this particular issue, uh, it wasn't so easy, and it did seem sensible to see what our members wanted us to do, um, and the outcome was. Um, that 55% of the respondents, um, and you know, getting on for half of our members responded, 55% of them um, voted for the option of coming to the meeting um, for the purpose of informing them that we wanted to recommend that the club be sold to somebody else. Um, there was a small, I think just under 20% wanted us to come and have a full debate with them, and just over 20, I think about 25% wanted us to turn down the meeting. So, guided by that, we took the decision that we should go ahead and meet. So, who, who from the, the trust, I understand from the, the club, it was Richard Murray and, and Katrine, who, who from the trust was in attendance? Uh, Steve Clark, the chairman, myself and Andy Buckland. And so, we all know now that you guys uh, advise them that, that the, the fans <coughs> would like Roland to sell the club. <laughs> I'm sure there's been, they've, they've noticed that, <laughs> I imagine, from the, the action that the fans have taken. What was, I'm quite interested to see what their reaction would have been, to, to have been told that face-to-face. Yes. Um, obviously, we didn't tell them anything they didn't know, although the specifics of our recent survey um, about season ticket renewals, we were, we were able to tell them that 44% um, of current season ticket holders said they would definitely not renew, and 20% said they probably wouldn't renew. So we had some, some evidence-based stuff there to tell them. But the general message, um, which was that we felt that um, the situation was now irretrievable. Um, so much trust had been lost between the club and supporters. Um, and, and we felt that, you know, it was worth coming to tell them that face-to-face. -face. It was a very affable meeting. I would describe it as quite a sombre meeting. 
Um, you know, no, no, we, nobody's happy about the current situation. And uh, as we said in our statement, we could only see the future being a pretty miserable experience for everyone. Um, so they heard what we had to say. Um, they recognised that we were saying that on behalf of our members. Um, they accepted that. Um, and they said that at the moment the club isn't for sale. Although Richard, of course, made the point that um, it is often said that um, players aren't for sale, but hmm. if the right money's offered, then suddenly they do become so. Um, but that um, the club wasn't for sale um, and that uh, Mr Duchatelet was putting uh, a large amount of money in to keep it going. Yeah, I heard the, the, the figure of a million pounds a month bandied around. Did, did that come out of the meeting? That, that exactly? That's right. Yeah, so yes. it seems... Seems like a, a head of a lot of, uh, of money. Were you, were you disappointed with their reactions, perhaps? I mean, I guess you, if you're going there to ask them to, to sell the club and they're saying it's not for sale at the moment, I guess, I guess you probably would be. Yes, we, we, of course, we weren't expecting them to give us any details or any information about possible buyers or possible inquiries. Um, nothing of that sort was expected. Um, uh, I suppose it would have been... Um, we would have been very pleased to hear them say that uh, there were some negotiations ongoing and, and it might be a possibility. But I guess we weren't surprised. Um, and, of course, it may well be that um, they are interested in selling the club, but obviously wouldn't say so publicly for commercial reasons. So... Um, we weren't really surprised. No. Yeah, it's, it's, it must be a very rare thing in football that a supporters' trust or a supporters' group actually, actually has to go to the ownership of that club and tell them that they're not welcome anymore. Yes, uh, and I think that I, I think probably Blackpool supporters have said that once or twice in the last few years. Um, and and you know we didn't say that. Um, we said that with some heaviness of heart. Um, as I said earlier, it's the role of the trust to, to foster communication and dialogue between supporters um, and the owner um, and to, to actually go along and say, we just think things are so bad that it can't be rescued and the future can only be declining crowds, escalating protests, uh, protests and, and ongoing ridicule. Um, it was not something we enjoyed saying. Mm. You mentioned that the protests are obviously the... The Supporters' Trust and, and the Coalition Against Roland du Châtelet are, are quite separate, but do you think a lot of your membership must must be getting involved with that sort of thing now? Well, the, 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 they are separate, but in fact, three members of the Supporters' Trust board are involved in the card, um, I suppose what you might call the card steering group. So um, there is quite a great deal of overlap. Um, most of the card steering group or activists, are also Supporters Trust members. So there's a great deal of overlap. But I think both both recognise, I mean, one is a single-issue protest movement and the other is uh, a representative, long-term, um, democratically uh, constituted organisation. So yeah, on, uh, on Monday, after your meeting in the evening here at the Valley, they had the fans' forum meeting and the, the, the Trust decided not to attend this one. What was the, what was the sort of general thinking behind not attending? Well, I think we had just received the response to our um, consultation with members that said um, only 20% of people who responded, in fact 19%, said that we should attend, listen and feedback, which is really the function of the Fans Forum. 57% um, said we should um, attend and advise sale and 24% said we shouldn't go. So it seemed a bit absurd to us 
um, to have um, followed that policy at a meeting at, uh, when was it, at 430 and then uh, a couple of hours later go to a meeting which was obviously um, the function of which was to um, uh, attend, listen and feedback. Mm. It didn't seem to make sense. Uh, you've also done a, um, a season ticket survey. Uh, some, some very interesting results of that. I mean, the, 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 the headline one really is saying that uh, 85% of season ticket holders currently protesting. Uh, uh, and, and then only only 20% said they, uh, they would probably not renew. But um, uh, 44 saying they would definitely not renew. That's right. Um, I think it was about 20% who said they had already renewed. I'm just checking my yeah, figures here to make sure. 20% said they would renew. 82% said they would likely renew if there was a change of ownership. So you, you gave them some pretty black and white uh, stats there to show just how happy the, the season ticket holders are. Yes, yeah, so, and I mean, I'm one of, personally, I'm one of the 20% who said they will probably not renew. Um, and I find it very difficult to think of myself next year not coming to watch Charlton on a Saturday. It's something that I've done for 50 years and gives me a great deal of pleasure. And it may mean that I end up buying match day tickets on a fortnightly basis and, and in the end spending more money. But for me, at the moment, symbolically not buying a season ticket um, is important. Um, yeah, and yes, it is amazing that 82% of people who haven't yet renewed... Um, said that if it was a new owner, they'd renew straight away. Hmm. Uh, talking about symbolic gestures, you were the man at the very front of the funeral procession, the game against Middlesbrough here at the Valley a few weeks ago. There was a, a large uh, mock funeral procession. You were the man uh, right at the front, the, the head mourner. I was, uh, for you personally, what, what's, what, what was your reason behind, behind joining in such a, a, a strong message? Um... I mean, obviously... It, it is symbolic. Um, I thought it was very effective. Um, I think, I, I mean, I was actually astonished because obviously I was at the front walking in front of the coffin. I had no idea how many people joined in behind and it was only later that evening seeing film of it, seeing this mass of people following the coffin. Which, And I think it did give people a real opportunity to express their despair um, and their... Their feelings of loss, to be honest, um, if that doesn't sound too grandiose, um, at what's happening to the club. Um, I, I mean, it, I, I thought it was very effective and it did get an awful lot of publicity, not least because of the small boy who walked at the front with me, who wasn't part of any plan. I'm not actually quite sure who he was, but at the last minute I was asked, could he walk along with me? And I gave him the wreath. Um, and he trotted along beside me. I think it must have been pretty cold because he walks the whole thing huddled up. The whole thing looks like a sort of Dickensian picture. Um, there's me with my uh, hat and cane and, and him walking along beside me, huddled up against the cold. Um, so I thought it was um, an effective protest and carried a pretty strong message. And it showed, I guess, that the fact that the little boy did well, the, 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 this. Um, this issue affects Charlton fans of all ages. I mean, there was, like you say, there was thousands behind them, but that was quite a, quite significant at, at the very front, I guess. Yes, yes, I think that's right. And I think the the um, the, the, the the surveys that we, the trust, have done show that um, it isn't any particular age group who are involved in the protest it does go right across the spectrum so what's um what's coming up next for the trust obviously you've, you've delivered your message now to the to the club uh, you've, you've done your surveys or what's in the pipeline for the next the next few months um we i think what's in the pipeline 
to be honest, is we have our final edition of Trust News, which is the magazine we produce three or four times a season, which will be coming out um, after the end of the uh, after the end about the end of May and, and sent out to all members. And then, to be quite honest, I think most of us on the Trust Board would like to do nothing for a month to six weeks. Um, it is incredibly time-consuming. Um, you know, as you can see, we spent a lot of time in the last two weeks around the meeting we just held. Um, and I always quite look forward to the end of the season just to say, right, let's forget about football, let's forget about the Trust, enjoy a bit of cricket and do something else till we all come back in August and who knows what will have happened by then. Yeah, we'll see. I'm sure um, the, the the club themselves won't uh, have the rest with uh, the card stuff as well going on throughout the summer. Richard, thank you so much for coming in uh, here here on Charlton Live and explaining sort of what's going on with the uh, the supporters' trust at the moment. My pleasure. What do you think about the shot? No, he tees up Lookman into the penalty area, and there's number four. Adamola Lookman back in the team, back on the pitch, and back on the score sheet. Charlton Live. So you're listening to Charlton Live, the big match preview here on your Thursday evening. That was Richard Wiseman, the uh, Charlton Athletic Supporters Trust secretary. Uh, he was telling us about the meeting that the uh, the trust had with the club on Monday. Obviously, they still don't. They're, they're never going to get a chance to meet to meet with Roland. Very little, uh, very few people are, no matter what Roland tells you uh, in his statements. Um, uh, it, it's such a strange situation for a supporters trust to be going to have a meeting with a. Uh, the, a club and tell them to to go away. Yeah, very unusual. There's obviously there's going to be people who are a bit more sceptical of the group because there's a feeling that perhaps they're slightly more connected to the club than other than other people. But I think this meeting's shown that they've gone in with exactly the same answer or exactly the same request that perhaps Card would have gone in for. Perhaps they've not gone in in, in the same manner, but you know it's the same request. It's uh, a meeting with the owner. We want to know what's going on and basically that the fans want them out um on sunday's show I, I said that i thought it would make a bigger point to to not go to the meeting at all um and terry made the point that he thought that if they were to say no that would obviously give the club the chance to say well we tried and we and they said no and i think terry made a good point and I actually kind of looking back on that reflecting on that i agree with him i think they did the right thing by going in but by saying look we're going to set the agenda unless it's going to be Roland that sits down with us we're just going to come in and we're going to tell you something we don't want a conversation we don't want to hear your excuses we're just going to make our point yeah. and, and that's what they did and who knows what difference it's going to make but it's another way that we're getting our message across along with everything that Card's doing and I think that's important really yeah I mean I know they they, they surveyed their own members and as Richard said 24, 24% of their own members said they should just not go to the meeting um, uh, but 57 percent said you should go and get him and i know that you know, card are saying we're not talking with these owners anymore there is no room for negotiation but i think this you know i think the, the trust have, have spoken there to say that they're showing that there is also no no real no room for negotiation anymore i think they're uh, but at the same time i think it was great that they went there and said it face to face i mean i know 
I know that the the card protests and and everyone's protests, all the different protests, the the the, the owners here know that they're not welcome anymore. Uh, but I think it was a, a good thing that the trust, who as you say, perhaps traditionally have been a bit more, a bit more standoffish. If they, they they haven't gone full throttle like obviously a, a, a protest group have. The trust are here, as Richard said, for the long term. They're not they're not a single issue protest group like Card are. They 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 try to be a bit more. You know, a, a bit more relaxed about things, but the fact that the fact that even they have gone and said, and I think I think it was very good of them to to, to go and say that personally, and to, and just to give a very strong message, and, and as we say, is it went out to a democratic vote of their members, and that's what their members wanted. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think in some ways that statement perhaps means a little bit more. And I, I don't want to discredit Card here because I think everything they've done up to this point has been fantastic. But I think if Card go into a meeting like that, if if Catrian was mad enough to to invite them in for one. I think everyone knows the agenda that's going to be set out before they go in. I think with a with a group like the Trust, who who are a bit more perhaps diplomatic, a bit more sitting on the fence, and they go in and make that stance, it's going to make the the club aware. Card are there to do the hard hitting, to to set the headlines, you know, for the club. And and as I say, I'm not taking anything away from them because they've done a tremendous job since they've come in. But I think for the club to also see that a different group that perhaps they view slightly differently in the Trust are also coming in and pretty much saying the same stuff. That's obviously gonna gonna resonate with somebody. Whether it gets all the way to Roland and whether that makes any difference to him, that, you know, that remains to be seen. But they're certainly gonna have to take note of it. Yeah, so it was great for for Richard to come in and, and speak to us. I want to say uh, thank you to Heather as well for arranging that um, that uh, interview for us. Um, the the trust also did the season ticket survey. This is going around the last couple of weeks. I've got the uh, the figures right in front of me. So eighty five percent of season ticket holders currently protesting at the way the club is run. So that's not two percent, is it? Eighty five percent significant. Seventy three percent of those are protesting because they want a change of ownership. So there's a slight difference between people who are protesting because of the way the club is currently run. Ever so slightly fewer want a full change of ownership. So most people do want a full change of ownership. There's, there's still a tiny bit of wriggle room for a few people who are, you'd imagine that if things drastically changed amongst these owners they'd be happy or they like say most people uh, it seems don't don't think that's possible 20% of season ticket holders said they they probably won't renew and 44% said they would definitely not renew so you're probably looking at around 50% when it comes to the, to the push i mean um also i think you, we had, we had something like 9 10,000 season ticket holders last year i think mean, i've heard that it's around 3,000 who have renewed so far um not 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 1000 that was going around on twitter that, that was that was incorrect it's free it's about it's about 3000 to have renewed so far which is you know uh, information that, I, that we have um uh, 82% said they would likely renew if there was a change of ownership so you, i mean don't don't forget we have gone down to league 1 but i think you know the we, the, the way the club's gone over the last probably 7 or 8 years we we have way moved away from that big premier league support and we've sort of come down again towards our more core support our more traditional levels of support and yeah. 82% of them would seem still uh, be happy to renew even even in league 1 which is you know sounds about right for uh, the, the core level of support but it just shows uh, the, the survey that the trust did the the level of unhappiness I mean, I mean it's pretty obvious when you walk around chatting on a match day the level of unhappiness but now we have it in in black and white figures yeah and i think it not only shows the unhappiness but it shows where that unhappiness is directed because uh, obviously you expect a slight decrease in sales as a result of relegation. I think that's normal. You know, the enjoyment isn't quite going to be there and there's people who are going to maybe find something better to do with their Saturdays. But all of those statistics point to the fact that the significant drop is as a result of the way the club's being run. And the the way to significantly increase those sales is to change the ownership, which mm. comes back to the same point, as I say, that Card are making, 
that people who aren't connected with card are making, that the trust are making, the people that aren't even turning up to games anymore. It's all down to the same reason, and that is the way that the club's being run. Whether that's wanting the owner out or, like you say, there is a small percentage that would perhaps consider coming back or renewing if the ownership was just to improve what they're doing. But either way, the way the club's being run at the moment is not viable for a large portion of the fans and they're turning their back on the club because of it. Right. On uh, Monday after the, the trust meetings, again, as we heard with Richard there, uh, was the fans forum, the trust decided not to attend the uh, the fans forum based on their on their survey results and the fact they'd literally just had a meeting with uh, with, with the owner, uh, with, with, with Katrine and with, and with Richard Murray. Um, I was really, really disappointed that they decided not to film it after, obviously, the, the promise was made at the uh, the fans' Q&A that it would be filmed and that the previous one was filmed. They've gone back to not filming it here and I'm disappointed on two levels because, again, it feels like we've been we've been let down by the club. Uh, that's the first level. The second, the second level is is bloody hilarious. The first one, and you can see why you can see from their point of view why they've changed their mind because they uh, they look at times a bit silly in it. Uh, and I was really looking forward to watching that meeting, but uh, yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't wasn't recorded. Yeah, as was I, and um, I completely agree with you on both points there. I think firstly, you know, don't promise something and don't come out and say we're going to do this if you're then not going to carry that through. It doesn't matter how stupid you might feel or what you're worried about people reacting to it. If that's what you say you're going to do, that's what you do. Um, alternatively if you just then change your mind and you decide that you should be announcing it you know way in advance and saying that's going to be the case and obviously it has come out and obviously it hasn't been recorded but um, you know it's a bit late to then go oh, yeah no no we didn't do it but um, yeah so we've obviously had to rely on on hearsay and stories from yeah. the, from the night to find out what went on. Yeah, we're still waiting for the minutes to come out. The only thing I've picked up so far is that apparently Sid Cheese right stepping down from sorting out the uh, the train travel which uh, <laughs> Which he's been doing for years, and uh, uh, plenty of fans get his train. So I'm, I'm sure everyone uh, will, will thank him for his, his hard work on that. Um, yeah, n- n- nothing else really. I, I, I just can't imagine what there is left to report these days. What, what would you talk about? I mean, there's, there's no more talking about um, the, the. I mean, I, I think apparently they refuted some some rumours that have been going around about Chris Solly, uh, and, and mentioned that apparently Chris Solly's um, uh, been. They're, they're trying to sort out a new a new deal with him. So I think I'm, I vaguely remember him signing a four-year deal maybe about two years mm. ago. So I guess yeah, it's I time, time to have another look at that. Uh, but yeah, that's that's all. We haven't really got any anything concrete that's come out of it yet. No, but like you say, there isn't really much else to discuss. To be honest, I think the fans that are going to stay and going to stick by the team no matter what or the club no matter what, they'll know about those. The fans that are unhappy, they're well aware of those. I think the only real sort of talking point now is that first game of League One and they see how full the stand is because we've got all those numbers now we don't know if people are just holding off we don't know if people will renew but at the end of the day that first game of the season there's going to be a number of fans here and it's about how many actually are here Yeah, they're not really going to tell us about recruitment over the summer because they don't want to you know we, there will be players in this squad who already know that they're planning to leave or want to leave, but they obviously <laughs> can't come out and say that with two games well, left. Well, uh, Simon McKeonock's agents turned yeah. up on a website well, today. There you go. Obviously, he's only on loan, but El, El Hadji Bar tweeted a, a YouTube video of his best moments. Yeah. It could have been a Vine, which is a seven-second video, but no, it's a YouTube video. Uh, I don't know if that's him trying to put himself in a shop window or exactly. not speculating, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, so it's interesting, the... Uh, the fact that nothing's coming out. I do look forward to the, the minutes just to see if there is anything interesting yeah. that we haven't picked up on yet. But we'll, we'll find out in due course if and when the minutes uh, get signed off. Right, we're going to be back in 30 seconds and we're going to talk about everyone's... This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad. And I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you 
everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Favorite medium and that is Twitter. Lovely ball into the park for Goodmanson. Can he take his man on? He does. He's trying to be pulled back, but he's in the area. The ball across the Vinicaine! And there's a goal! Joel have the lead again. Super work. Firstly from Henderson to roll it out of Cousins, who did a pinpoint pass into the park of Goodmanson. And instead of Goodmanson going on his own, a slide rule ball across the penalty area picked out Vinicaine, who buried his chance, and Charlton 2 1 up. Charlton Live. So welcome back to Charlton Live here. The big match preview. Looking ahead to the game with Leeds United uh, in a little while after we've talked about uh, the uh, under-21 Kent Senior Cup game, which unfortunately was a defeat on uh, at Dartford in a bit. But yesterday on the uh, the world of the internet, uh, it took another twist, did the internet. It's full of, full of twists and turns, isn't it? On um, the Charlton Live forum, there was a, a mention of, uh, of uh, someone on Twitter and uh, so, th- so this person is, is something to do with San Trudan, the, the new head of commercial or something or other. Like, but the, the, the point was this person's very young, and obviously people have suggested at times that the uh, uh, inexperience of certain people in, inside this club has, has um, affected us negatively. And, and uh, this person was pointing out, oh, this now St. Trudan have hired someone also quite inexperienced, uh, quite young to, to, to do a role, and, uh, and, someone's, and they said, oh, and this is their Twitter name. And uh, being the curious man I am, I had a look at this person's Twitter name uh, and looked down his account. And the last thing that he had retweeted was from uh, a, a Belgian sports journalist. And it was um, a photo of a, a group of people around the table, including uh, the, the interim one, Carol Fry. Uh, and, uh, but he also copied in the username of everyone on that table, including Carol Fry, who, whose Twitter username was not something you'd be able to search. It didn't say, but... This guy gave the game away that this this certain username was Carol Fry, and obviously I was like that can't be Carol Fry. But I had a look and I looked through his tweets and I was like, oh, that is Carol Fry hiding away on Twitter. Um, so I, I I dropped him a follow, um, uh, and within <laughs> within ten minutes I was blocked. Uh, I didn't tweet him or anything. So that's not my style. I did I just followed him because I just was curious to see what he's up to these days. But he blocked me uh, straight away. But it turns out I wasn't the only one. Who, uh, whose curiosity got the better of them when they saw that Twitter name on the forum. And other people found that as well. And, and, and word soon got out, Tom. 
Yeah, he, uh, he climbed out of his laundry basket, hadn't he? And <laughs> onto the world of Twitter. Uh, it didn't last long, unfortunately, for him. But uh, yeah, it was Twitter unbelievable. User. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It did. It lasted less time than his, his time with us, Yeah, so unfortunately. But Yes. Yeah. So we, I had a look at some of the, the, the tweets. So once the name was out there, I mean, the, the world of social media, the, the world of being a Charlton... Charlton fans were like dogs with two what's-its, weren't they? Really? Yeah. <laughs> and so... Um, uh, let's just read out a few uh, a few of the ones obviously we can't uh tweet because <laughs> they they contain quite re- uh quite strong allegations <laughs> which uh, which obviously uh, I think it's supposed to be jokes but we're not going to read those out but uh, there's a question here I have a question for Carol Fry uh and then he adds the name please explain the pros and cons of your favorite formation the 316 <laughs> uh another question for you Carol why didn't you speak to the press after the Huddersfield game uh, uh, ben, uh, a guy called Ben Hudson asked a, quite a pretty fair question actually if you could do it all again uh, brackets which we'll be able to do next season no doubt what would you have done differently at, uh, at Cholton um, uh, the same man says do you still think Loic Nago is better than Chris Solly although I don't think Carol ever actually uh, uh, thought that because he never played him uh, Joe Reed says hey Carol me again Colchester away please explain <laughs> uh, uh, do you think uh, other people do you think you would have kept Cholton up like you did last time when you masterminded the escape under under Riga uh, <laughs> uh, someone just says hi Carol big fan can't believe you were sacked after winning two games <laughs> it was two more than I thought to be fair so you can imagine that these went on for a while um, so, so what happened was after I, I followed him and got blocked straight away uh, but I noticed at the time he had 15 followers on Twitter. As he, as as people on the forum and, and on Twitter seemed to pick up that he was on there, his his follower numbers went from 15 up to 100. I, I saw 125 was the highest I saw. I got I got blocked on my personal account. Obviously, he doesn't realise I have access to many Twitter accounts, so I got to uh, to to have a look at what was going on. Um, and we were sort of laughing, and then uh, then all of a sudden, I because I, I, I know he's on his UEFA A license mm. course at the moment. So I my what as I think, we all found out, yeah. What I think he's uh, Rob, Roberto Mancini. What I think happened is he he saw me on his lunch break, blocked me straight away. As I'm, I, I, he, he wasn't a big fan of, of mine uh, because I happened to write match reports about the games that he used to lose a lot, uh, and he didn't. He wasn't happy that I didn't go very easily on him. Why would I? Um, and uh, so he blocked me straight away. Um, then I, I reckon his phone went into his pocket there to carry on. The, this is all speculation. But I reckon the phone went into the pocket. He carried on his afternoon. Obviously, you're not allowed to get your phone out in class. Um, came back to his phone and realised he now had 100, uh, 125 <laughs> followers and some quite vile abuse being tweeted into him. Yeah, by it was jo- a bit Bieber-esque. So, yeah, it? so he went from he went from having a, his account suddenly got locked which means you have to request to follow him. But that, that means that the people who already followed him were still in there, so he still had 125 followers. But then that start, that number started going down rapidly. It went from 125 to 115 to about 80 quite quickly. So basically he was blocking everyone. So anyone who had added, he got blocked. And then he got all the way back down to 16. Now when, we, when I first saw it, it was on 15, so someone lasted the coal like outlived the coal but then after another hour or so he just deleted his account <laughs> uh, so yeah that was that was a pretty fascinating way and um, it, it highlighted a few things to me for starters um you looking at carol's tweets before before we got blocked was quite interesting because there was one where he um he seemed to take uh almost credit perhaps for for bringing Ad- it, was, it, was, it was after adam ola lookman won his award the young apprentice the apprentice the football league apprentice of the year he won couple of weeks ago uh, and Carol uh, quoted the, the tweet talking about him winning it and said proud to have made this talent making his debut Adam Oleman congratulations a well-deserved trophy 
uh, Carol Fryer. So he's um, he's obviously he feels some pride that he bought Carol. He bought um, Ademola on for his debut at MK Dons in a game we lost to MK Dons. He feels pride about that. Um, but uh, some people suggested that he was trying to take credit for something that's obviously a player that's come up through the youth ranks that Steve Avery and, and Jason Yule would have worked on. Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's a mix of both. I think on the one hand, knowing him and you know. I don't know him that well. I, I met him once or twice, but he does come across as a, a fairly nice bloke. Not a football manager, yeah. certainly not a championship football manager, but a nice enough bloke. So I think he probably would have sent that with a bit of humility and said, well, you know, well done, Addy. On the other hand, he's obviously someone who's now working towards becoming a full-time manager at hopefully, in in his hope, some, some good clubs. Um, and he probably wants to be able to look back and point out an example like Addy, who we know is being scouted by the likes of Arsenal, and say, yeah, I gave him his debut. So it is a bit 50-50, I think. But, um, yeah, I don't know. He really can take that much credit for it because, as you say, all he's done is throw him on when we were 1-0 down at MK Dons with 10 minutes left. And was it Goodmanson had been injured? So it was yeah. kind of a forced substitution anyway. But, um, <laughs> yeah, that's the way it goes. It was certainly a fun afternoon. Yeah. It's interesting about about the Adamo Lutman stuff as well because I remember after the MK Dons game I asked him about Adamo mm. and he said in that interview and I'll, I'll dig it out if anyone wants me to but he definitely said oh you know Jason Yule advised me to, to bring this player up to the first team but then I had a, a chat with him uh, off the record at Bristol City and he mentioned oh you know whose decision he was talking about whose decision do you think it was to bring in all these youth players Tariq Holmes Dennis and Adamo Lutman. Uh, and I was like, all right, okay, so that's different. Yeah. Uh, so that was interesting, right? So obviously that's the one thing. With that's the, there was a few tweets in there. He had a photo the first the first game he went to after Charlton. He he even hashtagged CFC official. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know if he, if he thought he was going to go without being found. He, I mean, he was always going to get found eventually. And like I say, this this um this Belgian journalist tweeted him out there. So he got found by the by the Charlton masses. The other the other thing I found um uh quite interesting is the fact that this is... I mean, obviously, he's not part of the network. My understanding is he's not a big fan of Roland anymore. Yeah. Which you could understand. Um, but he... Th- this is a sign that... And I know it's, it's, it's almost, in a way, a different kind of protest from the Charlton fans. This is a way of showing... Of, you know, people have talked about making this club unmanageable. If there's the feeling that coming to Charlton means that you will become part of this network and you will become disliked as much of it by the Charlton fans and you will find there's nowhere to hide and you can't even hide behind a fake Twitter name because Charlton fans will hunt you down and some of them will start to tweet you with with some difficult questions. It's, 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 an, it's another way, perhaps, of saying that, you know, we, we don't want you and, and your mates here to, to Roland and Katrine. Carol was one of their mates at the time and we the, these Charlton fans on, on Twitter have given him a, a tough time. Definitely, yeah. Obviously, I said to you on the day, I, I don't want to feel sorry for him, but the amount of abuse he was getting, it was you know, it was huge. There were tweet after tweet. My Twitter feed was just full of people just tweeting him and you know, we all know how bad his time was here, but if we're if we're honest about it, the real enemy is still Roland, and nothing changes about that. Um, what I will say is that obviously the questions directed to him about Henderson having to come out after Huddersfield, yeah. I stand a hundred percent by those, and I think that was cowardly. And towards the end of his reign, I think he really did just lose the plot. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it shows. You know, he was only here for well longer than he should have been as an interim, but he wasn't in Charlton's long-term history here for very long, and yet people still feel this angry about him. It just does just show there's nowhere to go. Yeah. But what would be interesting is, you know, the likes of Luzon, for example, if he was on social media, I don't think people would have quite the same reaction to him. 
Uh, at least he, obviously Luzon had a, a good spell. Exactly. Or, I, I still think he would get a fair bit of abuse. It, there would be a, certainly yeah. a portion that would, but obviously yeah. Fry's bit was was so ridiculous. Not all his own fault, but the fact he was employed in the first place, the yeah. fact he he, as we said, put Henderson out there. The fact we lost games so heavily, the the bizarre formations, the bizarre substitutions, all of that. It was just a bit of a circus. I mean, you played yeah. the clown music on several occasions during that time, and. And that's why he's getting the abuse. And, mm. and yeah, as you say, nowhere to hide for, yeah. for people who come here and think they can get away with it. Yeah, so there you go. Carol Fry, nice bloke, uh, thrown in at the deep end, lost the plot, uh, went out slightly cowardly by not talking to the press. Although you sort of understand if he felt let down by the club at the time, but still put Henderson out there in the firing line. Uh, I've got a piece in the SLP that's a bit of an expose on, on how I've seen stuff sort of behind the scenes. Uh, over this season uh, that'll come out at some point next week I think and there's some, some interesting stuff in there as well which probably gives you an idea of the fact why uh, I think Carroll uh, was struggling towards the end of his time here and, and the way he turned I mean I've, I've written about Carroll before and the way he turned towards the end of his tenure but um, we'll, 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 hopefully you'll read about that in the South London Press uh, next week right uh, after this little break we're going to talk about the Kent Senior Cup final so am I still waiting for this world to stop hating? Can't find a good reason, can't find hope to believe in. Ray Herdrock, can he get across into the middle? He can. This cuts us to the bottom. Yeah! That's yeah! good. Come on! With a goal! Yeah! In the 96th minute! Charlton Live. Welcome back, Charlton Live. It's the big match. Breathe, you've got Leeds away to look ahead to uh, in a moment, but on. Um, on uh, Tuesday evening, it was the Kent Senior Cup final. Uh, the Charlton Development Squad away at Dartford, uh, and a, a disappointing result. The uh, since the Addicts have come back into the competition, I think it's four or five years ago now. We've won it three times, uh, and we've been knocked. Oh, let me add this up: three, three, six times, six years now. Is it? I can't be right. Oh, whatever. We won it three out of four. Yeah, we've won out, 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 out three out of four. Five. But the, the only team we have lost, the only team we have lost to in that competition since we come back to it is Dartford, and apparently we've done it two or three times now. Uh, and and yeah, fell over in the final one then on on Tuesday. It, it was it was actually quite a, a bad performance. I don't think we really deserved anything out of it, especially in that second half. We fell away. Um, but it's a shame, really. I know that the under twenty ones have had a great season. They've won their league. They've gone into the the semi finals of the playoffs, uh, which will be against Sheffield uh, United. I think it is uh, at some point next week, uh, Monday. It's uh, the one that's here, isn't it? Yeah, it's here at the Valley on Monday, on Bank Holiday Monday. So, so get down if you can. But yeah, d- disappointing not to be able to get the hands on, on the silverware, not to be able to retain the trophy. Yeah, obviously a disappointment. Any final that you lose is going to be going to be that way, and particularly when. Over the last few seasons, we've got to this end of the season and the first team have been struggling, All right, maybe not as bad as this year, but every season we're able to look to our youth teams and, and praise them for something or other. And I think it's important that we don't lose sight of that this year. And Jason Newell said it himself about how proud he was and how they've now got to pick themselves up for another semi-final because it has still been a fantastic season. But like we say, you've won three, three or four times recently and, and you want to get that extra one and it's a shame to just go out on a bit of a disappointing 3-1 result. And, but as you say, they've got luckily they've got a chance straight away to pick themselves up in another massive game and, and no rest for them. And let's see if they can finish the season on a real high. Yeah, so it was Joshua Umera who was the scorer for the Addicts on, uh, on Tuesday. He made it 1-0 after um, uh, uh, Dartford opened the scoring from a corner. I think Dimi uh, Mitoff had come out to try and get it, sort of got lost in the crowd a bit and his punch didn't go too far. It was turned back in by uh, Elliot Bradbrook, um, 
Umera equalised after their keeper made a howler and he just tapped it home. Uh, then second half, another corner. This one was into the danger zone, bundled home, and then a third one on the break uh, about two or three minutes later, and that was that. The the, um, the interesting thing about the Dartford game is I think it's definitely the coldest game I've been to this season, considering we've gone through <laughs> the, uh, the the heart of winter and we've come out the other side. It was absolutely freezing. Uh, so it really it, it really was a, a disappointing evening over at Prince's Park. Congratulations, of course, to, to Dartford on their uh, Kent Senior Cup uh, victory. Uh, I think they've missed out on the playoffs now, Dartford, which is a shame because uh, we want as many as many uh, team, yeah, many local teams as possible in that national league, so we can have Bromley, Dartford, Welling. I think Welling are going down as well, actually. So it's uh, only Bromley who are doing well in uh, the non-league scene recently after Ebbsfleet blew it as well, actually. So well done, Bromley, out of all of them. <laughs> right, uh, we caught up with Jason Yule, uh, Terry caught up with Jason Yule after the Kent Senior Cup final to find out what he made of the uh, disappointing defeat. Jason, after the uh, euphoria of last year. Had to uh, come down with a bit of a bump with a, a 3-1 defeat here at uh, Princess Park. Uh, and actually, well, just seemed to run away from you at the end. Yeah, I said to the boys at the end of the game, you've got to take the hit. I mean, it's one of them ones that disappointed that you didn't manage to retain, retain the trophy. But I said to them, it's part of the learning curve as well, is that as much as you wanted to keep trying to do the right things of what we're used to, we said is that at times you have to, to play the conditions and play the opponent and I don't think we did that enough in the, in the second half to what we did in the first half and the first part of the second half but I said to him it's, it's disappointing that we've lost but think of what we've achieved so far and that we've still got to regroup quickly and get ready for semi-final against Sheffield United. Well, of course, you've had uh, a great run in the league, uh, winning the Southern title. You've got the, uh, the national title to battle for as well. So uh, uh, you've got to pick yourselves up after this, of course. Yeah, definitely. I said we've got to take the hit and regroup quickly. Um, I said it's disappointing that we've lost it, but I said it's now we've got to, to take this little disappointment for, the, for tonight, tomorrow. And then I said when we get back onto the training field, it's about, right, we know what the next challenge is ahead. We make sure that we go and win that. Is this a learning curve experience? Because uh, potentially that uh, a Dartford side that, that probably outmuscled you at times uh, and uh, going forward, can you learn from that? No, I don't think it was a case of being outmuscled. I think we competed really well against them. So I said that's, that's what we're going to be up against and I think the boys showed that and I think it was just, just a little bit of probably our inexperience at playing against men at men's level, which we um, sort of got sucker punched from. But I think we competed, we battled. I think we showed a good account of ourselves about players that can play against men. And so um, it's just really now for them just to say, like, look, when it comes to men's football, this is what we may have to change in our games, just to try and become better players when it comes around um, involving against men's. First half was a fairly even affair, and you got yourselves back into the game after uh, uh, just an unfortunate uh, set-piece goal, which has sort of haunted Charlton most of this season, to be fair. Um, and then the opening part of the second half, it looked like you were, uh, you were dominating, and... Uh, and until Dartford scored, actually, um, could have uh, could have maybe scored a couple on your own. Was that that period where you were on top and didn't score? Was that the telling telling moment of the yeah, game? Yeah, I think it's always important that you, you take the opportunities when you get them. And I, I wanted the boys to start the second half the way we did. I mean, it was just unfortunate that we didn't continue that momentum. And I said to him before we went out, I said, regardless of it, if the referee goes to 45 to 50 minutes, I said. If we're two, two goals up, we keep playing. If we're two goals down, we keep playing. And I think we showed that. And I think in the latter stages of the game, as, it, as the time was ticking away, I just think just saw a little bit of the body language change. But I think that's part of the experience. I think if we get into more competitions and we're in positions like that, it's a case of keep playing to the end. 
So it's on to uh, on to the, the national finals uh, for for the league. Um, something that uh, you had Archie Edwards back today. So is, is the squad coping for for the demands you've got towards the end of the season now? Yeah, it is. I think it's just for today. I think we had to to get the balance right in terms of what's happening with the 18s tomorrow in their in their playoff final. But I thought with what we had on the pitch, I thought that would be enough to to win the game and. It just wasn't meant to be today, and he said, "We now we've just got to, to regroup and concentrate on said on winning that title." Well, tough luck tonight. Um, you know what it's like to win, so yeah. uh, uh, hopefully you can bring that forward to the game against Sheffield. And good luck for the Nationals. Thank you. Live big match preview now. Time to look ahead to this Saturday's game up at Ellen Road with uh, Leeds United. We haven't got any Jose Riga audio uh, for well, two reasons. A, I forgot to ask for any. Uh, B, I'm not even sure if he actually did a press day. I haven't seen anything today. Um, uh, basically, uh, I don't think there's much interest in Jordan anymore. Uh, just, actually, just, just before we get off the youth team, so I think we congratulate the under 18s on uh, winning their semi final up at Forest last night. Uh, on penalties, so they're going to go through to the final at their level, uh, having won their league, so uh, well, well done to them. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring you some good news about that whenever that is. Uh, but right, back to the, the Leeds game. Now, um, there, there's a few clubs in, in the country who are having protests at the moment. Uh, obviously, we're one of them. Leeds are another one of them. Um, uh, Cellino, Massimo Cellino, the Leeds owner, uh, is, is. I don't think it's as universal, their protest. I, I think it's getting there. I don't think it's as universal. Um He's a strange one, isn't he? I remember seeing him after we played Ellen Road last season. was on a Tuesday night, I think, in sort of November, a two-all draw. And I remember we were standing around about 45 minutes after the game had finished uh, at the side of the pitch during the interviews. And I just looked up and Massimo Cellino was just walking around the pitch, just walking around the pitch on his own in the dark. It was really weird. But, um, yeah, a big protest there as well against his uh, somewhat bizarre uh, running of their club. Yeah, I think... um... Arsenal obviously have the Emirates Cup. I wonder whether us and Blackpool and Leeds should have some sort of pre-season cup yeah. for our, uh, our terrible ownership. But yeah, they've... Um, <laughs> they might give us a chance to win something. <laughs> That's very true. He's, a, yeah, another very eccentric overseas owner. Um, yeah, it doesn't... It just seems, you know, hiring and firing managers as quick as he can. Although, surprisingly, the one manager I would have fired quicker than most seems to have stayed the longest in uh, Steve Evans well, I'll, be, I'll be shocked if he's there next season judging yeah. by the noises coming out of Leeds you would imagine he's not got yeah. long left um, but yeah another club in disarray we were saying on Sunday uh, myself and Terry that you know the ticket's £37 it's a real shame because if they were a bit cheaper you'd obviously could get a, a large group of Charlton fans going and perhaps do some sort of joint protest but I think that price and the fact we're already relegated is going to put a lot of people off and like you say, it's a bit of a nothing game. We're already down and Leeds are going nowhere. So, um, yeah, like you said at the start of the show, really, one to just get out of the way and move on to Burnley, which I think we can all agree is going to be a little bit more lively. A little bit more spicy, isn't it? I mean, because uh, Josie hasn't spoken, they don't really even know what the team is going to be. So it is quite tough to look ahead 
Um, I guess another thing we can look ahead to, since since we've got a little bit of time, is the fact that on Sunday is the, the Player of the Year dinner. We're trying. We're going to try and do a show from it. It's definitely not. It's not going to be live on Sunday evening if we do a show up there. If if we get up there and we can't work out how we're going to fix stuff, we haven't got gadget anymore, so we don't know. So we're going to set it. If we can't do that, we'll, we'll come down here and do a live Sunday show. But we're hoping to record a podcast upstairs uh, and get a few interviews with players. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of stories that came out of the sponsors' dinners with players. Uh, blabbing about the a general level of unhappiness amongst the playing staff with the way that the club is being run, and obviously these are all second-hand stories we hear. But the fact that so many people came out and reported exactly the same thing suggests to me it probably didn't happen. Yeah. So that that'll be interesting on uh, on Sunday. A to see what the players have to say. I mean, obviously they won't blab anything to us on on air, but they might be saying stuff off air. Uh, and B, I guess to see who's going to win it. Yeah, I guess so. I think with in terms of the interviews, if we're to get any, they're obviously going to be very much more media driven and. You know, we're, we're sorry we went down. You know, we the fans deserve better, and and hopefully that kind of stuff. But yeah, there might be people who are at the dinner who perhaps will get a few more more stories out of them. Um, in terms of winner, it's really tough to see, isn't it? I mean, obviously Lutman has had an impact in the second half of the season. Um, you look at Barr at the start of the season; he did well. Cousins has, you know, been fairly consistent again. Pope, I think, has made a big statement towards the end of the season with some of his performances. But I think his early season form probably yeah, rules yeah. him out of that. But yeah. I think you can say there's, there's no one player really who's gone through the whole season playing well, really, no. or without at least suffering a long injury. Absolutely. And when you look at it, at the end of the day, we've been relegated. You know, it's difficult to do a player yeah. of the year dinner when the team quite, you know, literally hasn't been good enough because they're being put down a league below because yeah. they're considered not good enough. So, yeah. but um, it's because some people have been suggesting it shouldn't go ahead at all. I mean, but. I think Aston Villa have cancelled their one, but I think what people need to remember is that the the, the Player of the Year dinner is a fan-led thing. It's not led by the club, it's led by the fans, but this year, the club did try to take it off the fans who run it, and the, the, it's Gene and Ian who run it, and, and everyone else involved. They've done such, they do such a good job. Anyone who's been uh, to the, the Player of the Year dinner, don't forget the constraints they have to work, and they want to have it here at the Valley, which means they have to use Delaware catering, so it is, it is a little bit pricey, but I think for, you know, on a normal season, it's a really good night, you get to have dinner with the players, the food's normally okay, and the, but the, the evening itself is brilliant, you get to see, but um, the, the fact that uh, Ian and Jean go to so much hard work every year, and Katrine tried to take it off them this year, and they, they, they stood up to it and said, no, we're not doing that, so if, if they had just thrown in the town and said, oh, we don't want to do it because we're rubbish, then the club would have found it a lot easier to take it away from them, so I, I commend them for continuing to go ahead with it, and, and thank them for their hard work, because it is such a good event and like I say, it's going to be it's going to be difficult this year, but you can't you, you can't say it shouldn't happen because of yeah. the hard work that goes into it and the fact that we want this to remain the fan event to stay at, at the brilliant level it always has been. Absolutely, I completely agree with that. And I think you know I've listened to the the chart and live shows that have been up there before, and they've always been good fun. And yeah, the actual award ceremony itself and the handing out the player of the year perhaps isn't going to mean as much to us this year, and probably to whoever wins it as well. But that remains to be seen. But the chance for people it is still a chance to have dinner with with players of your club and that's still a special thing it doesn't matter who those players are necessarily they're still representing Charlton and it is still a bit of a unique opportunity and like you say being fan driven and fan run you know that's something that this club has often been proud of and it's nice you know even in these tough times that we can hold on to that and and like you say, it's a fantastic effort yeah. to get that on next. Well, so there's another year. sign of the fact that the fans are the only thing that make this club good at the moment. We saw it with the Upbeats walk, well, the Trusters, obviously, the, the Upbeats yeah. walk that uh, the fans donated to and, and joined in with. And you know, it's another it's another thing where you know, there is a lot of nonsense going on at this club, and we, we can be thankful that there is still a fan-led event that we can we can all get behind. And uh, like I say, we're we're going to try and do something from there on Sunday, but we'll see. 
We'll see. We'll let you know in due course. Right, we've pretty much run out of time here on this week's uh, big match preview. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming in. Cheers, Louis. Thanks to Richard Wiseman for from the Trust for coming in earlier. I've been Louis Mendes. Uh, it's pointless hoping that we get a result at Leeds because it don't matter anyway. See you on Sunday. <laughs> Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.